Dear listeners, are you tired of the endless cycle of fad diets and extreme measures? It's time to wake up to a better weight loss solution with Robody. As someone who's been through the ups and downs of weight loss, I know firsthand the challenge of trying to find what will stick. That's why if I qualified for Robody today, I'd jump at the chance for a scientifically backed program that supports long-term success. With Robody, you'll gain access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, paired with personalized lifestyle changes. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. Say goodbye to the roller coaster of weight loss dreams and hello to sustainable, real results with Robody. Go to row.co slash snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash snoozecast. designed to help you fall asleep. On Snoozecast, we read excerpts from public domain works and occasionally original stories. We'd like to thank our listeners. If you enjoy our show, please review us on Apple Podcasts and also share it with a friend. The best place to listen to us is on our website, snoozecast.com. That way, you can play a single episode and fall asleep without another one automatically playing. This episode is brought to you by Quiet Sunday Afternoons. Tonight, we'll be reading from The Age of Innocence, a 1920 novel by American author Edith Wharton. It won the 1921 Pulitzer Prize for fiction, making Wharton the first woman to win the prize. The story is set in the 1870s in upper-class, gilded age, New York City. Let's get cozy. Close your eyes. Relax your body into the softness of your bed. Now, take a few deep breaths. Book One. On a January evening of the early 70s, Kristen Nielsen was singing in Faust at the Academy of Music in New York. Though there was already talk of the construction in remote metropolitan distances above the 40s of a new opera house which should compete in costliness and splendor with those of the great European capitals, the world of fashion was still content to reassemble every winter in the shabby red and gold boxes of the sociable old academy. 
conservatives cherished it for being small and inconvenient and thus keeping out the new people whom New York was beginning to dread and yet be drawn to, and the sentimental clung to it for its historic associations, and the musical for its excellent acoustics, always so problematic a quality in halls built for the hearing of music. It was Madame Nilsson's first appearance that winter, and what the daily press had already learned to describe as an exceptionally brilliant audience had gathered to hear her, transported through the slippery, snowy streets in private broughams, in the spacious family landau, or in the humbler but more convenient brown coupe. To come to the opera in a brown coupe was almost as honorable a way of arriving as in one's own carriage, and departure by the same means had the immense advantage of enabling one, with a playful allusion to democratic principles, to scramble into the first brown conveyance in the line instead of waiting till the cold and gin-congested nose of one's own coachman gleamed under the portico of the academy. It was one of the great livery stablemen's most masterly institutions to have discovered that Americans want to get away from amusement even more quickly than they want to get to it. When Newland Archer opened the door and the back of the club box, the curtain had just gone up on the garden scene. There was no reason why the young man should not have come earlier, for he had dined at seven, alone with his mother and sister, and had lingered afterward over a cigar in the Gothic library with glazed black walnut bookcases and finial-topped chairs, which was the only room in the house where Mrs. Archer allowed smoking. But, in the first place, New York was a metropolis and perfectly aware that in metropolises it was not the thing to arrive early at the opera. And what was or was not the thing played a part as important in Newland Archer's New York as the inscrutable totem terrors that had ruled the destinies of his forefathers thousands of years ago. The second reason for his delay was a personal one. He had dawdled over his cigar because he was at heart a dilettante, and thinking over a pleasure to come often gave him a subtler satisfaction than its realization. This was especially the case when the pleasure was a delicate one, as his pleasures mostly.